0: My name is Christina Kipili'i, wife of Obed and mother of Jason, Bunny, and Eli. My mother has always been very supportive of my choices. She took me to church early on. I'm the one that made the decision to uh, turn away. At I think I left church at age 15 because I, the world was just so loud in the 60s and I was listening to the world. It was, it seemed to me to be very exciting. I remember being a young mother and having three kids and they were all involved in different sports and I would come home and I, this is before I knew my husband could cook actually. I had to, I worked a full-time job. I took the kids to sports. Thankfully I had my mother who loved baseball. She handled that part. Those were very busy times, sometimes even stressful. Of course, then I learned my husband could cook, and it was very help- helpful. I would cook dinner, give baths, and by help with homework. And by the time I went to bed at night, I was exhausted. And I used to think, where am I fitting in my alone time with God? I was exhausted. And then I heard in my spirit that, you know, I'm going to give you a verse a day. And I would ponder that and I'd put it on my uh, dashboard of my car and I would ponder the verse for the day. My children were raised in church. Uh, They all accepted Jesus early. Easy is not the operative word. They went through teenage things. They experienced lots of different things. but there were so many aunts and uncles and those people who loved my children. And as we love each other's children, it's a family here, that's what I love. In fact, I think, I mean, I even had someone call one time and said, did you know that your daughter was whatever? You know, and I love that because it was everyone watching out for everyone else's kids. That's what a family is about. I'm retired now, most of the time retired and I have much more time to spend with the Lord. It's I'm not uh, frazzled because of all the duties that many of our young mothers have with work and cooking and cleaning and all the different things that, that I've lived through, and I'm proof that you do live through it. <laughs> so I know I still have dreams and to fulfill and I still have uh, places I want to go, people to meet, books to read, and I still spend time with the Lord every day. Even when we come against things, we, you know in your spirit when you're supposed to persevere. And that comes through being in the Word, practicing listening to the Holy Spirit getting advice from wise people, but the wisest counselor of all is God himself. So let me just say, if you are a young mom, um, don't beat yourself up and remember that these children of yours are treasures that God gave you because he knew you would be able to do what he's called you to do before you know it, they're grown. I can attest to that. They're grown and you're into a whole new phase of your life. And to husbands, may I say as a Mother's Day gift, for the rest of the year, can you please help your wife out?
1: Let me say thank you to Christina. Let's welcome her up this morning. What a way to end that video. Which is true. Oh, we have a special gift here. Hi, Gracie. Oh, hi, Gracie. Hi, hi, Bunny. Hi. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you. See, nice. Look at that. Very Roses. Nice. Is that yes. your favorite?
0: Yes. Roses and peach color is my favorite.
1: So one of the things that you said in the video, you talked about God, but you also talked about this journey, especially now that your children are all grown up, and what I caught from it is there are different stages that a mother goes through, and yes, you have survived, and you're on this side of it, what would you say to young parents right now that they don't, maybe they don't see that there is a, a season that will end? They don't see the light at the
0: end of the tunnel?
1: Yeah, there's no <laughs> light at the end. Right now, there's no tunnel. Mm. It's just a cave.
0: Okay, well, I would say... You know, technology, we live in such a world right now where we have all these things available to us. Put the praise music on in the car. We have three or four Christian stations. Listen to the word. Put it in your earphones, on your iPads, whatever you may have. Listen to the word. If you can't, you know, if you can't get that time every day, I mean, I hope you can, but I know how frazzled life can be. Put it in your ear. Listen to it. Be washed in it. And you will pick up those key phrases that help you through the day, that help you encourage your children, love and respect your husband, and come into that, that alignment that the Lord wants for all our families.
1: I heard a little murmur when she said, love and respect your husband. The dad was like, yeah, lady, preach it! <laughs> but I think it's a part of... You're the one who gave me this microphone. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's a good thing then. So... As moms, um, you know, they have young children. You talked about the baseball games, the sporting activities. Uh, I don't think we realized as we were growing up how many sacrifices our moms made. And what you guys don't uh, do is that you don't have to get credit for things that go on in your children's life. And there's something in moms that says... I will sacrifice for my children. For the mom who are, who is making those sacrifices and feeling like it's not it's not worth it right now because I'm needing this, I need that. I'm not being restored. I'm dying on the inside. How would you I would say that?
0: do everything as unto the Lord mm. because he is the one who gives the final reward. The children are a joy. I hope as they're growing up there are those times when they are not but look now i have eight grandchildren and that is my the most wonderful as all of us grandmothers can say not just because we can give them back at the end of the day (laughs) but because we can actually see that there is a promise and a heritage that's continuing when you follow the lord
1: yeah can we say thank you to christina for sharing with us this morning Thank thank you so much And happy Mother's Day once again. You know, when I think about moms, uh, many of you are single moms, and what you do matters. My mother was a single mom by the age, I think I was seven years old when she became a single parent. My dad left, and then he passed away when I was about 15 years old, 16 years old. So she was a single parent, and it's interesting that as a single parent, you have to be both sides we didn't have the luxury of if you had a parent that one was the brutal one and the other one was the lenient. We didn't have that balance. So with my mom, I mean, she just had this competitive spirit inside of her. Uh, any of your moms competitive? I mean, there's, it's just like in them. Like we would play Like for Heidi, with our children, we would play Candyland. I don't know if any of you remember that. You remember that game, Candyland? Just raise your hand. Just show your age. Yeah, good. So Candyland was a board game with no electronics. And so you would have to go through this uh, one trail, and you'd have to go to the end, and you'd have these cards that you would pick up. And for me, as the dad, you know, you want to win. So as I'm going up ready to win, there was always that purple plum. That if you're close to the end, if you got that card, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. Now, when that happened to me as a dad, my kids were like, yeah, dad, good for you. you got to go back down. And so I would go all the way back down. But when mom got the plum, it was silent. Like no one was happy. No one dared say, yeah, mom, good for you. Then why is that? My mom would, like, she would teach us how to play checkers and change the rules along the way. I'm like, mom, you can't change the rules. She goes, you can't double jump. You you can't. I'm like, what? No, you can't. She goes, no, we're playing single jump. I well, why didn't you tell me that? In the beginning, mom, you can't change the rules. No, you should have known. And she would just instill that. I think that's why we become competitive. Moms just know how to play it off. And my mom was just that good at things, and I remember when we would uh, buy things for her and and, uh, get her gifts, she would always say, oh, thank you, but you know what I really like? And then she would add in. And my mom loved chocolate. She just loved chocolate. Her favorite chocolates were Hershey's with almonds, uh, that chocolate bar, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups and almond roca and her almond roca was the I mean it was the prized possession it was like the most expensive candy and she savored them and she would hide them you moms hide your candy (laughs) you hide candy and one day I found her Hershey bar and I took a piece from it and she found out and so you know we got scolding so I, I thought well I'm gonna do it secretly now so the end that she would open up I would open the other end And then I would take out a piece and I would close it up, fold it nicely and tuck it back in. She still would know. And I would say, she would come to us and say, okay, who, who touched my candy? And now I've got four of us sitting there. We're like, mom, what are you talking about? Yeah, somebody touched my candy. Now this is not life and death for us. It's life and death for her, which becomes life and death for us. It's not like someone burnt the house down or blew up something. It's someone touched her candy. Now we're thinking, why is this so, like, why are you so mad? And I said, Mom, how do you know someone touched your candy? Why are you blaming us? She goes, I know someone touched my candy because I put it behind the show you bottle with the R of the Hershey lined up with the (laughs) bottle. And so I know someone touched it. I'm like, what, you do that? I'm like, Mom, why do you like so much candy? Why do you eat so much candy? She said it calms her down. Like, what do you mean it calms you down? She goes, yeah, candy calms me down. Would you rather me take it out on you? So we bought her candy by the skips. We would just say, you know what, eat your chocolates then, mom, if that keeps you calm. But she, she loved her candy, so we would, we would buy her candy. It would save us. If she got mad, we'd just buy a couple bars from the Manapurah man, come in the house as we're getting scolding, bribe her with some candy, and we were good. So long as she got the candy. She could be mad out of her mind. You know, you know, listen to me. Now go to your room. Give me them candies. And so it kind of worked out in our favor at that time. But there was one habit that she had that we really didn't like, and it was smoking. Now don't look at your mom if she does, okay. Just I'm just saying this is what was in our family. But she would always hide. This is my parent hiding from her children, smoking. And she'd always go in the bathroom, and I would like be, Mom, mom, are you smoking? Maybe. (laughs) And I can picture her in the bathroom like. And I'm like, mom, mom, you got to stop smoking cigarettes. Why do you smoke cigarettes? She goes, because it, it relieves my stress. Would you rather me take it out on you? So we bought her cigarettes by the cartons and we just said, you know, don't take it out on us. But then there's one day that she did call us. She actually, she called me, and she said, Hey, Sheldon, I just want to let you know, I quit smoking. I said, wait, wait, today or forever? And she said, no, I haven't smoked. And she gave me the time that she hasn't. And she hasn't smoked since. And I thought, the sacrifices that a mom makes. You know, I'm sure she was smoking because we were giving her stress. I mean, four children and me, one of me is enough. But... When she called me and she told me that, it made me think about what moms go through. That as a mom, you go through things that your children will never understand until they get children of their own. And we won't. But I don't think as men, we will ever understand what a mom goes through. We can understand what parents go through, but specifically as a mom, now that... Is something special. And today as we celebrate Mother's Day, we're going to look at a person in the Bible who, who had to raise a perfect child. I mean, you may think, oh no, my child is perfect. I have a perfect child. And when they're born, perfect, perfect child. And then they grow up into their teenage years, you're like, mm, I don't know what happened, but they were born perfect. But this woman's child was actually perfect. His name was Jesus. The mother we're going to look at, Her name? Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And on this series, as we go through the dream series, today we're going to be talking about the dream journey. So you can open up your Bibles if you have your Bibles because I'm going to talk a little bit about something that we all deal with and it's parenting or following God. And we're going to learn from Mary both. And it's in the book of Luke that I'll be reading from. It's in the New Testament. And the book of Luke... It has uh, interesting guidelines for us because this is when Jesus was born that Luke records of and Mary, Jesus' mother, and what she had to go through. And I like how Luke, who is a doctor, brings forth the facts that was taking place. And normally what we do is we have some things outlined in your uh, bulletin so you can take that out. And today it's going to be You're just going to have to follow along because we're going through the story. The Bible does tell us this in Psalm 32, verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. And I think that's what a mom's responsibility is. And I know as moms, that's what you feel. You feel that you want to raise your child up in such a way that you provide the best pathway. And I thought, wait a minute, if there is a best pathway, that means there are many pathways that we can walk in this life. But there is a best pathway, and the best pathway is guided by the Lord. And so we're going to learn from Mary how we are guided in this best pathway for our life. Because I think every single person, we all have a dream. And with that dream comes a journey We can all do better on our dream journey by letting the Lord guide us. And here's how. Here's the first thing that that Mary's going to teach us and through the life of Jesus. That the Lord has the best pathway for my life. He has the best pathway. It doesn't matter if you agree or not. He has the best pathway. Some of us may have been hurt by God or we felt that God has hurt us. Or we feel that God did something so we blame God. But he still has the best pathway. Some of us, we don't know God yet. It doesn't change the fact that he has the best pathway for us. And so in Luke chapter 1, excuse me, 1 verse 26, I'm going to start and then we'll, we'll jump around, but I, I'm going to, I'll let you know where we are. But in Luke chapter 1, this is where Mary is being told that she's going to have a son. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, and the Bible says she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, if you're taking notes, you want to circle she was troubled because how often we have moments of fear. And even as a mom or as a parent, we go through moments of fear when it comes to our children. We have moments of fear when it comes to God speaking to us certain things. So she, she was filled with trouble. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son... And shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end, and, his, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now when he says this to Mary, I think for every mother and every parent. You want your children to do great things. But this angel specifically said, he will be great. But then look at Mary's response. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And how often we question God. We have questions. It's okay to question God. It is not a sin to ask God questions. Not saying that Mary didn't sin in her life, but... When we ask God questions, He wants us to. He wants us to engage with Him. He wants us to build a relationship with Him. So it's okay to ask God questions. Because God does have answers. And it may not be answered in the way you want it to. But He does have the answers. And so she asks, How can this be since I do not know a man? Then the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also... That Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So Mary has a relative by the name of Elizabeth. And God says, by the way, Mary, if you don't believe this, you know your your relative that's uh, barren, she can't have children? Yes. She's already in her sixth month. And that, too, was a miracle by God, if you read earlier in the chapters. But then Mary now, the Bible says, Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary could say in this journey that she's on, let it be done unto me. Why? Because it was done according to the word of God. In other words, Mary trusted God so much that she said, Whatever you want to do in my life, then go for it. Let it be done according to your word, not how I feel, not my circumstances, not what people will say, but according to your word. That's a promise that we can live by, that God's word will cast out all fear because God is love. And it casts out all that fear so that we can say, Lord, whatever you're going to do in my life, let it be done unto me according to your word. And so Mary was okay with that. And then now here's action. Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. Basically, what Mary is doing is she's doing something with what God has given to her. She didn't just stay there and say, okay, well, this is going to happen to me. Then that's it. I'm not going to live my life. Then I'm done. And for so many of us, when something happens in our life that is unexpected, we think it's over. But Mary said, wait a minute, Lord... If you're doing this in my life, let it be done unto me. I'm going to continue to follow this journey that you have given to me. I'm going to follow you. Let it be done unto me. And so she went with haste into the city in Judah. And then it continues in verse 39. Excuse me, verse 40. And then she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth Heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then look at, look at Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's response. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. In other words, God sent someone to Mary to encourage her. Because we got to remember, Mary is a teenager at this point. And she is going to get married. Now, in those days, if you had a child out of wedlock, oh, that was not a good thing. And still, even today, you know, you feel that pressure. You feel that, you know, that uh, just, you you don't feel like, okay, this is the right way to do it or whatever the case. Heidi and I experienced that. We were teenage parents too. We experienced what it's like to be teenage parents and people pressuring you, people saying things about you, people saying, oh, your life is over. We felt that pressure, but we've also felt the encouragement from people like Elizabeth. God will send you an Elizabeth, or he will make you like an Elizabeth. You will be an encourager. As a father, you're going to encourage your daughter or your son. As a mother, you're going to encourage your children. Or if you know someone who's struggling with something, that you're going to encourage them. And you're going to come alongside of them and say, yeah, I understand, but here is God's promise for you. And that's what Elizabeth did. She continued to keep Mary in check to let Mary know that there are promises that have yet to be fulfilled and God has them. Then she continued, but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. And then Elizabeth continues, blessed is she who believed For there there will be a fulfillment of those things which which were told her from the Lord. And now Mary says this, and she actually puts it into a song. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. You know, in probably one of the most difficult times of her life, at this early age, Mary chose to worship God. She chose to worship God. I think that's a life lesson for all of us in this dream journey. That God knows the best pathway for us. And so continue to worship him. Regardless of what is happening in life right now, worship him. And so she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And she continues in song. And in verse 56 of Luke chapter 1, it says, And Mary remained with her about three months and returned her house. In other words, Mary continued to stay with Elizabeth in a mentorship process. That Elizabeth said, Hey, Mary, here's some things that I want to pass on to you. Elizabeth was more uh, experienced in years, she had more wisdom, and so she was pouring into the life of Mary. And sometimes we forget that we can become more experienced without experience itself and be more wise. Because of someone else pouring into us. And you may be struggling through something. Maybe, maybe like Mary, you're a young mom or a young parent. There is someone else that has gone through what you are about to go through that can give you great wisdom. You're not in this alone. And you can always remember that God understands everything that you're going through. His word can give us wisdom. And so Mary was being mentored by Elizabeth. And she remained with her for about three months. And then in Luke chapter 2, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I don't know what they were going through at the inn. Uh, You know, there's a census taking place, so people are moving all over. And so there was no room. And it almost seems like they were too busy to take care of Mary and Joseph, especially Jesus, who is about to be born. And it reminds me that, boy, we can be too busy for Jesus too. That we won't even realize that Jesus is trying to make his way in our life. But if we're too busy, we won't recognize it. But like any mom would, Mary found a way to make sure her birth would be done well that she would be able to give birth to this child. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Luke chapter 2, verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day... In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. you know why the angel had to say this? Because this is the first time that a governing official uh, from Rome called himself divine. Caesar Augustus. Augustus meaning divine, deity, or Savior. And so here comes Caesar Augustus saying, okay, I'm the Savior, so everyone look to me. It's the first time an emperor was receiving worship as a God would. The angel comes to Mary and says, I understand what, what this Roman uh, emperor is doing, but you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. It's not going to be through a man. It's not going to be through government. It's not going to be through that. It's going to be through your son, Jesus Christ. So now Mary is listening to this. And then he says, this will be a sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And now the shepherds are thinking, okay, well, we got to go see this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now watch what happens with Mary. The Bible says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I think there is a major difference between a mother and a father at this point. Now, dads, when our children come to us crying, we'll look for broken bones. We won't look for cuts or anything. If it's not bleeding or broken, they shouldn't be crying. That's what we dads say. Hey, what's me crying? What are you not crying? Oh, what? Blood. No more blood. I'm not broken. Stop crying. So that's, that's our compassion as fathers. But a mother's compassion, I mean, if the baby comes down, oh, come here, sweetie. Where is it? Mommy kiss it. Mm-hmm. And the baby's crying. But after the mommy kisses it, baby is all good. While us dads are eating doing something else we're done but moms have that special care mary pondered these things in her heart she kept them in her heart there's a reason for that god created you moms with a special kind of heart for children it's just it's different than men it's just different it's not good or bad better or or worse it's it's just different And God put that in you. Now, along the way, as Jesus continued to grow up, we got to remember, there's not too much recorded in the Bible about Jesus growing up. We see him as a baby and then as a young child when the Magi come to visit. Remember, they followed the star. And by then, Jesus was a, a toddler. But then it jumps to about age 12. And then Mary and Joseph experience something that is recorded in the Bible. In other words, when they came to a place where Jesus was growing up and now developing a mind of his own, they were experiencing a release in him growing up, a transition period. And it was about the age of 12. They went to this uh, Passover and, uh, and they went to Jerusalem and Jesus was left behind. They couldn't find him. And so they went back looking for him. And and this is what we learned from Mary and Joseph in number two. Look for Jesus in my journey. Look for him in our journey. The journey is a difficult one because we live in an evil world. But as we obey and as we look to Jesus Christ, then we're going to find that this journey is a unique journey for every unique individual. It's not going to be the same like everyone else. So you got to look for Jesus along the way. When Mary and Joseph went to this, uh, to Jerusalem, it's in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 43. I'll read from verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother, listen, they did not know it. They did not know it. Now you might be thinking, wait, how do you know you're not with your kid? How do you know, how do you just leave and you're, you're not with him? How do you know that he's not even with you? What kind of parenting is that? Now, have you ever forgotten your child at school or the plaza or even at home? And you're leaving the house in such a rush. You're like, where's the baby? You got to go back in the house. And they're just kicking back in the, in the car seat. We forget those things. But in this case, they forgot because there were so many things happening and a lot of people. And they thought, and it continues, they supposed that they had been in the company of other people. And they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So they thought Jesus was with their friends and family. So Mary and Joseph go looking with their friends and family. Now, so it was that after three days, three days, some of us, we lose our kids for three hours, we're going nuts. Three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, Why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Here's two things that stand out. One, they didn't know where Jesus was. They didn't know what he was doing. They didn't know where he was at all. But then they find him and then they take it personally. Like, why did you do this to us? Isn't it true as parents, we don't know everything our children are doing. We would hope we would know, but we don't. And then we have to ask our children questions. Were you at this place? Did you do this? Did you do that? So-and-so called me up and said this. And, and our children will say no because they don't want to get Lickens. So they say, no, Mom, that wasn't me. No, Mom, I didn't do this. No, Mom, I'm not doing this. No, Mom, I'm not doing that. Of course not. Are you crazy, Mom? You talk to me about that all the time. not doing that. Your parents know you're lying. You know how they know you're lying? Because they did the very same thing that you are doing or have done. Yeah, our parents weren't always old. We think that they were always this good. No, they were teenagers too. So they got into trouble. But what Mary is saying to Jesus and what is happening at this point is Mary is feeling the tension of Jesus growing up. And Jesus says, don't you know that I was in my father's house, that I'm about my father's business? But then they did not understand the statement. That Jesus spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother, once again, kept all these things in her heart. It's like Mary was at a point now that Jesus is growing up. And now there's a transition taking place. That Jesus is saying to her, I'm growing up. I'm doing certain things that you may not know about. And Jesus did not sin. Yes, our children will get in trouble. But Jesus did things that, that was transitioning from him being her child to now him being her Lord. And there's a transition in all of our lives as parents that our children will transition from them being our children to them being our adult children. Now, Mary started to feel that at about age 12, when when Jesus was about age 12. It kind of gives us a mark on a transition period. It takes about six years for us as parents to transition with our children as they become grown adults. And I think for you and I as parents, as we see our children grow up, if we're trying to transition when they're 18, it's going to be a very difficult transition we got to start when they're still young, when they're teenagers, that we start letting loose some anchors, that we got to give them a little bit more freedom. Now, be wise, but still give them some freedom that can help them make decisions. Otherwise, when they turn 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, they're not going to know how to deal with what they should have at 15. They're going to have a very difficult time in life in their early years, Because we try to keep them close to us. And I understand it's very difficult. But we're going to have to release them sometime. And Mary had to struggle with that. One of the things that Mary will teach us in our third point is to obey along the way. And that's what Mary began to do. She began to change from being the mother of Jesus to being the servant of Jesus. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a difficult transition because he's the Lord of all, but she's still the mom. And you can see the, 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 the change and the difficulty that she's dealing with. Because as he becomes an adult, she has to make some decisions. Now, there's no record that we can see, especially in the Bible, from Jesus being from age 12 to when he started his public ministry at age 30. So there's a huge gap. But by the time he starts his public ministry, they're at this wedding... And at this wedding, they run out of wine. And so Jesus is now about 30 years old. His mother Mary is about maybe 46, 45, 47 years old around there. And so now she is there with Jesus at this wedding. And the wine runs out. And this is Jesus' first miracle. And the Bible says in John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, and when they ran out of wine... The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Like they're all sitting down and the party is happening. The wedding is going on. They run out of wine and she goes, hey, son, they have no wine. And then Jesus says to her, woman, woman. He says to her, woman, not mom. He says, woman. It almost sounds disrespectful, but it's not. And I'll explain why. He says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. But then watch what Mary does. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. In other words, here's where Mary, you could see her transition already has happened. First, he addresses her as woman, not mother. It was very respectful because he is now Lord and Savior to Mary, and he is now king And she is bringing out of Jesus his very best. And she is speaking life, encouragement, and who Jesus was made to be out of him. She's saying they have no wine. And he says, my hour has not yet come. And then she turns to the servants. Only a mom can get away with this. Ignore the Savior and say whatever he says to do, go do it. In other words, she still obeyed along the way as they were, they were at this moment. And so we know in Scripture that Jesus performed his first miracle. And I thought, what a mom. To bring out the very best in her child, even though he felt at that moment, it's not my hour. And I'm wondering at the same time, I wonder if Jesus was bringing that out of his mom. Because only Jesus can bring out the best in you and I. It's, there's a relationship that takes place. So there was a miracle that took place. But it wasn't always happy times, it wasn't always great. There were some tough moments. In fact, probably another difficult season in Mary's life was hearing that Jesus said he was going to be crucified that he would need to die for the sins of the world. And, and they didn't understand it at that time. But it came a moment where Jesus was arrested. And then he was condemned to die on a cross, to die for the sins of the world, for your sins and my sins. And then they nailed him to the cross. And I'm thinking, what is, what is happening with Mary? Mary? Where is Mary in all of this? Did Mary stay at home because she was afraid that they're going to do something to her? Maybe Mary thought, boy, am I going to be affiliated with him and then they're they're going to arrest me too for some false accusation? What is going to happen? But you want to see the boldness of a mother? And I don't even have to speak to you as moms because you would do the very same thing. And this is what John records. And this is at the cross. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Mary watched her son die right in front of her. You know, Mary experienced what none of us parents should experience, and that's seeing our children go before us. But the reality is we live in an evil world full of sin, and sometimes that happens. And for some of you moms, this is probably a difficult day because you saw that happen you saw your child go before you. Maybe your parent is not here with you because you saw them go before you, and and Mother's Day is a difficult time because of that. But on this dream journey, God teaches us that that is not the end. In fact, Mary, she continued on with her life, and as the early church was being birthed, Mary continued on. And you could see her steadfastness, her spirit, her strong sense of direction... That came from God because she continued in the faith. In the book of Acts as the church was was moving in one direction. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. You know what Mary teaches us? That life is not over when you think it's over. Life is not done when you experience difficulties. Life is not done... When your dreams crash in, she continued and she continued to live. And even though things didn't look so great for Mary, she continued to live her life to the fullest. Not just live and exist, but that she lived with purpose. We all have a purpose. But for you moms, there's something that you guys are able to teach all of us that God instilled in you. And it's interesting, it takes days like this for us to remember how special moms are. And you guys are, we, we don't forget about it, but, but we have a day to remind us how great you moms are. There's a basketball player who just received the MVP award, most valuable player, Kevin Durant. He plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder and they're in the playoffs right now, but Kevin Durant is a professed Christian. He lets people know he's a Christian and he holds high to those values. He has a mentor that coaches him on his countenance as a Christian during his games they'll go through a film on his countenance as a Christian and his mentor will say hey was that Jesus was that Christ-like and Kevin Durant will take it Kevin Durant signed a contract with Oklahoma City Thunder in 2010 for five years at 85 million dollars 85 million dollars At his award speech, he thanked all of his teammates, his coaching staff, even those who helped behind the scenes. He thanked them all. But then he waited to the end and he thanked two people. The most important people in his life. One was God. But the other was someone else. I'm going to take a look at this video. Let's see what he says.
2: And and last, my mom. I don't think you know what you did. You had my brother when you were 18 years old. Three years later, I came out. We were stacked. The odds were stacked against us single parent with two boys by the time we were 21 years old everybody told us we weren't supposed to be here we moved from apartment to apartment by ourselves one of the best memories i had is when we moved into our our first apartment no no bed no furniture and we just all sat in in the living room and just hugged each other Cause we, that's what we we thought we made it. <laughs> and when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. And you wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline in my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street. Put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. <laughs> You're the real MVP. I'd like to thank God again. You're the first and the last, Alpha and Omega. I thank you for saving my life. I appreciate everybody. Thank you for all the writers for voting for me. Dead.
1: What a powerful message. What a powerful message. And I think he says it well that moms, you have sacrificed things and you have sacrificed so much that we may never know about. And we may never see, but you know who sees? And he said it, God is the beginning and he's the end. God sees everything. And you may not have gotten the thank yous that you wanted. You may not have get, gotten the dreams that you always dreamt of. But you're still on this journey that God has you on. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and as we close in prayer, I'm going to ask if, if you're here and you're saying, boy, I'm on this dream journey and I don't know what the end looks like. I don't know where I am. But I do know this, that there is a God and then I want to put my trust in, and my faith in Him. Even as a Christian, you're saying, I want to put my trust in God. Would you just lift a hand and you're saying, I want to put all my trust in Him, my faith in Him and this dream journey. Yeah, Lord, that's us. You put your hands down. Maybe some of you are here today and you're saying, boy, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't understand too many things about the Bible but now it makes sense that that God loved me enough to bring me here today so that I could understand how valuable I am to him. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ and would like to, I want to say a prayer and guide you with it. We can all say this prayer together, but if you want to receive Jesus today with every head bowed and eyes closed, could you just lift a hand and I'll, I'll, I'll pray with you. You're saying, I want to give my heart to Christ today. Yeah, anybody else, you're saying, I want to give him my heart. Good, good, yeah. God bless you. He sees you. God sees you. God sees you. He sees your hand. God sees your hand. He sees your hand. Your heart. He sees you. He hears all your prayers. God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. You can put your hands down. We can pray this prayer, but especially for those who are saying this prayer for the very first time, just add the heart in and I'll guide Here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again to give me eternal life. I thank you for guiding me in the best pathway. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said Amen.